Writing Matters with Dr. Troy Hicks is a writable podcast. Find more episodes and subscribe on your favorite platforms. And if you want to learn how to grow great writers, check out writable.com. In this episode, Troy speaks with Elizabeth Crooks, a former teacher of over 26 years and the recently retired 6th through 12th curriculum coordinator in English language arts, social studies, and science literacy for the Consolidated School District of New Britain, Connecticut. Elizabeth is now a consultant and speaker and currently working on a book for teachers and administrators about creating curriculums. Elizabeth speaks to her deep background in teaching writing and the importance of individualizing both instruction and expectations for every single student. The wisdom she shares in this episode is priceless for all educators. So welcome. Today we're talking with Liz Crooks, a former teacher of writing and someone who now does a great deal of work in professional development and supporting teachers as they learn how to teach writing in their classroom. How are you today, Liz? I'm well. Um, Yeah, I've taught um, for about 26 years, and I have gone from department chair um, of an inner city high school to currently partially retired. Um, I am doing professional development, I'm consulting, um, and I'm working with National Math and Science on AP language. Wow, that's great. So your day-to-day role in terms of all this right now, you're an independent consultant at this point? Yes, I am. I ended, um, I was district coordinator for literacy six to 12 um, for the last three years of my career um, with the district and I ended that at the end of August. Wonderful. So as you know, the focus of our podcast series, um, instead of talking deeply and for lengthy times about the philosophy of teaching writing, we're just trying to jump right in and get to the nitty gritty. So in your own experience as a teacher of writing, as well as in the work that you do now with dozens, hundreds of teachers of writing, what is a go-to strategy for you? What is something that has worked well for you in your classroom? And what's maybe a strategy that you hear teachers talking about now uh, to be very effective at the teaching of writing with their students? I'm actually gonna give you, um, well, the one that I found effective and then what the teachers have been using lately. Um, One of the things I found very effective um, was using mentor texts. Uh, We called them something different years ago. But we can't expect anybody to write when they don't know what our expectations are. And we can only develop that by making those expectations clear. Um, So using mentor text really allows students to see what good writing is. And the last time I actually used mentor texts, I did it in professional development with English, science, social studies, and special education teachers, um, six to 12. And they went through an activity of using a mentor text. And the the beauty of it is being able to use bits and pieces and knowing what the model is. You know, science and social studies teachers were as eager to share as the ELA teachers. So it really gives a level of comfort across all levels. Oh, that's fantastic. Was there a particular uh, mentor text that anybody chose that you found to be uh, unique or... um just uh, surprising? Um, No, actually, we used a short paragraph. And then what I had asked them to do is just use bits and pieces as a basis for what they were writing. 
Um, some of the sharing, I mean, this was professional development of teachers, so some of the uh, sharing would not be appropriate for a classroom. Um, <laughs> but they, they enjoyed it. Um, they really saw the value of it, and then they took that to their classrooms. Um, one of the things that then, after using those mentor texts, is how do we wean students away from them because you don't want them to become reliant on them. And that's always been the struggle in education is we give these supports, but then eventually they need to go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And are there any particular um, resources that you draw from for mentor texts? Any periodicals, newspapers, websites, uh, places that you find just consistently produce really good mentor texts uh, to work with teachers or to work with students? Um, I do think that if you start looking for nonfiction articles, um, you know, some of the resources out there like Newzella um, are very appropriate um, for high school and middle school students. I also think that Kelly Gallagher has a wealth of information in his books um, with using mentor texts and some examples. Um, but I think really a lot of different professional journals, um, you know, there are always Examples, I mean, Kylene Beers and Bob Probst in their books, there's examples. So you don't necessarily have to pull from one place. It depends on what you're looking for. Fantastic. Well, thank you. So as we think then about instructional strategies, we're now going to shift to talk a little bit about feedback and the ways that you've had success personally providing feedback to students. And again, what are you hearing from the teachers uh, with whom you're working every day? Uh, what are the ways in which they are providing feedback to students and helping them progress and move forward with that difficult revision process? I always found feedback and early on that feedback has to be, first of all, it only has to focus on a couple of areas that are gonna give you the biggest growth. Um, otherwise it becomes overwhelming and just, you know, as us adults, we can't, if you tell me 17 things I need to do to make it better, I'm not going to be able to do any of them. Yeah. Um, so keeping it focused to a couple of the main points, um, and that's going to depend on where each specific student is at. It's going to be different for student to student. Um, I also felt that a couple of the little things that I used to do is I would put feedback and when it was, you know, you can do that in Google, you can do it in you know, years ago, I used Microsoft Track Changes, um, you know, but putting, putting the feedback close in proximity, not at the end of a paper, but right near where it needs to happen, um, and doing it in a form of a question, you know, can you explain this more, or, you know, um, can, can you give me another example, whatever the feedback is, so that the student is actually responding to a question. Mm. Um, and it has to be a question that can't be answered with a yes or a no. It has to, it has to be something you elaborate on. Right. Um, so I always found that that was very, very helpful. Um, and I, when I was asking students to give feedback to one another, I always felt that there are a lot of feedback forms out there or feedback routines or ways to give feedback a lot, oftentimes teachers try and use um, a check sheet or something where it's a yes, no answer. And when you do that, you're not getting the depth of feedback. So I would purposely use questions like, 
can you identify the claim in this piece? Um, you know, how could the writer make it clearer? And you had to give an example. The peer reviewer had to give an example, which really added to the depth of feedback. It helps students give valuable feedback to one another rather than superficial. Um, now, with the teachers that I've worked with, I know that they struggle. They don't struggle so much with their own feedback as they struggle with having peer review of feedback, um, which at that point, um, one of the things that we did, you know, I could have brought back like worksheets that I used a million years ago, but, um, you know, that's when in our district, that's when we began to incorporate writable because they were actually asking um, you know, specific questions, questions that were specific to our rubric for kids to answer. Um, you know, which, could you develop the same thing on your own? Absolutely, you could. It would have taken me a lot more time. Um, you know, this was there. Um, and there were benefits beyond, um, you know, people had asked, or, you know, the other thing too was Google. When you provide feedback on Google, it allows all that, you know, the interaction the kids like, they appreciate it more when it's electronic. Um, I think it's faster for teachers when it's electronic. And, you know, it just, it, it allows for more discussion. Yeah. So one thread I heard you um, pick up on both in the ways that you provide feedback and then in, in a sense modeling this for students is to really ask good questions to propel them forward toward a revision as compared to just giving them corrections or telling them do this next time actually phrasing it as a question might help them make that into an action like actually move forward in that process of revision i think that's i think that's crucial the um you know i i try to tell students and i try and want the teachers i'm working with Proofreading and editing are proofreading and editing. Revision is re-envisioning something and really looking at it. Um, so yeah, you, you do need to get to those deep level questions. And um, you know, you brought up a good point when you just mentioned um, rather than something you should do next time. I, as a teacher, spent very, and I encourage my teachers to spend very little time on the, you know, final copy that students are doing, um, you know, or what they think is the final draft, and really do focus my revision comments or my, you know, my suggestions are my questions on one of the drafts. Um, I used to like to wait until about the second draft, only because the first drafts are usually pretty, pretty amazingly um, overwhelming. And so then I would wait until like the second draft. I, what I did like to do is I like to encourage, first, um, students would look just for ideas and they would give peer feedback on the first draft just for the ideas, nothing else. Um, no structure and, you know, how are the ideas working together? Do they make sense? You know, do they fit? And then the second draft, you know, they would revise those ideas and then by at the end of the second draft, then I might begin giving, you know, feedback on, you know, structure or, you know, asking questions about, you know, um, support or asking questions about clarification, um, you know, so it really was a process. 
And I think that's interesting too, that you help students see that feedback can be different at different stages of the process. There's not just this blanket kind of feedback that you need to provide, whether you're at the zero draft or whether you're at the final draft. I think that's pretty interesting. Great. So as you think about where you're at in your career right now, especially with working with teachers, um, one of the questions that I enjoy asking everybody here is, you know, what, what's a word or a phrase or an idea that really defines your work? And you, you could think about that as, a, as your work as a writer, as a teacher writer, or as a teacher of writing, or as a teacher of teachers of writing. Uh, what is it that fuels you? What keeps you motivated and moving forward in the work every day? I mean, for me, it's almost like I Keeping it individualized, um, it, that writing is clear communication. And while students um, are, I guess, really the individualization, because some students do need work with structure. Some students who really have structured down pretty well, can you want to move them beyond and have them understand that you can use narrative in an argument. You can, you know, you can get to that point. I think you need to take really each student where they are and the feedback's very different for each student. The expectations are very different for, for each student because you need to move them forward from where they are. Um, you know, with that said, I mean, there's not one set approach for everyone. I, I really, I feel that way. Um, sometimes when I'm working with teachers, they feel that students have to complete a graphic organizer and I try to get them to, maybe that works for some. I'm a person that needs to just write. It's the verbal diarrhea. And then I go back and I revise and revise and revise. That, that's just the way that I write. And so I try to get people to understand their own writing style or their own planning style and then take that to students um, you know, and, and allow, yes, you can introduce them to all these different ways, but not to pigeonhole into one. I don't think real writers do that. So thanks for all that information about how you structure the feedback process, especially during revision. So thinking about that, what fuels you? What drives you as a writer? And then how does that translate into your teaching? For me, I need to just get all my ideas down on paper and then go back and look at it and say, wow, this is really a mess. <laughs> you know, um, I, I said this three times. Did I really need to say it three times? Or, you know, I put this idea in this paragraph and then, you know, three paragraphs later, here it is again. And I just go through a process of, you know, first on the computer, many, many times, redrafting and redrafting and redrafting. And then at, one, at some point, I need to print it out and see the print copy um, before I can say it's final. Um, but, you know, I just, that's the way I do things. And I like to, I used to show this to students and I like to show it to teachers. I remember a law course that I had um, in grad school and the paper had to be one page or it was downgraded. And so I'd show them my beginning of 11 pages and how I got it to one and the mess and the number of drafts. And I think that helped, um, you know, students and teachers see that you don't go into writing and have it be perfect the first time. 
That is a really great example. <laughs> Winnowing down an 11 page paper into the one page that you really wanted to say. So before we finish, can you tell us anything about something that you might be writing and uh, that we could look forward to seeing here in the future? Um, yes, I'm actually in a process of the introduction is done and a lot of the pieces of it are in pieces done. Um, but I'm actually writing about a process that we put in place for literacy six to 12. Um, and it's kind of be divided into two parts. One is really for administrators and how we design the system and got it going and more of a systems thinking. And the other part of it is really the teacher resources that we used during three years of professional development um, so that teachers could go in and just pull from those resources. And will that take the form of like a journal article or a book or how? Are uh, oh, you I'm sorry. It's going to be a book and I expect it to be done by the beginning of the summer. Fantastic. Well, best of luck to you as you hunker down during this winter season and uh, get some words on the screen and uh, print them off and look at those drafts and uh, go through that revision process. Well, thank you so much, Liz. I really appreciate your time and all the work that you do with and for teachers to help them become better teachers of writing. Okay, thank you very much. Writing Matters with Dr. Troy Hicks is a writable podcast. Discover more episodes and subscribe on your favorite streaming platforms or check out filmed episodes on YouTube. Writable offers more than 600 writing prompts and assignments with a range of feedback and assessment tools to help you build more purposeful, proficient writers. Learn more at writable.com.